Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of the Imaginary Movie Podcast, a podcast where we watch a movie and then we talk about it. My name's David, and uh, Sam, I don't know if you know that Clive Owen isn't American? <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, yeah, my name's Sam, and this was a weird documentary. <laughs> Very true to life, though. They did a really I, good oh, job. Jesus. A bit too true to life. <clears throat> yes, welcome to this podcast where we... Uh, watched a film and today today we're talking about one of my favorite movies and a film that i you know i don't watch necessarily very much because it's just a bit like oh jesus christ a bit bleak especially now living in the hellscape that is 2022 uh we watched children of men and this is a film i don't think you'd seen before and i think a film that quite a lot of people haven't seen before but is for me like well, this is a this um this is a verified box office bust. Um, oh yeah, it's um, so it's a 2006 film by uh, directed by uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Cuaron. Um, yep. I've I've looked up the pronunciation, um, and it cost about 77 million to make and made 70 million. And like, Ooh. it's a tragedy when films like this come out. You know, Clive Owen's a bankable star. Cuaron's like a you know, talented, respected director. Like, this is a really good movie, but nobody saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's maybe it's a genre thing. I think this is maybe the sort of movie that not a lot of people show up for. It's a it's, hard sell. It, I mean, it's a bit of an When art you told house. me the plot of this, I was like, do we have to watch this, Sam? Because it sounds depressing as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that is compounded by the fact that we have lived through, you know, like a world ending pandemic uh, in, in, in the last couple of years. And also, you know, just generally the the it's it's a it's a it's a hard movie, isn't it? Like this is going for it on so many fronts. It's very graphic. It's very very upsetting in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think you know also I just think for the basic thing of the title is not a title you would pick if this wasn't based off the P.D. James uh, novel. Like what what does it mean? You know, like straight away, I think from that point of view, the marketing isn't particularly good. If you look at some of the marketing stuff, it isn't particularly good either. Like it's yeah, all and even all the artwork and stuff, and like the posters, and obviously, like I said, the marketing. But like even the thumbnails, when you're watching it, you're like, it doesn't look like a film I want to watch. No, no. But despite that, I'm I'm again, I'm 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 putting this out there. This is one of the greatest films of the 21st century, I think, and that's not a con. You know, that's. It's a pretty, a pretty wildly held view, to be honest. But I think it's, for me, this is an absolute classic and a, a film that is, that is doing so many things at, at all points. It is balancing a thousand um, spinning plates and managing to safely nestle them into the cupboard uh, where where they, where they need to go because this is just this is an excellent movie. Yeah, it's just a great movie. It's kind of the peak of its craft. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it in a minute. Um, but it looks great. It sounds great. It's really well written. It's a really tight movie. Only an hour 45 as well, which... Chef's kiss. I mean, fucking hell, there is so much in this. It doesn't <laughs> feel so, like that, does it? I'm so sick. And, and do you know what? That, that would have ruined this for me. Even if this film was as good as it is, if it was 40 minutes longer, which so many movies are, like it would have killed it. The, this was like a really nice condensed watch like yeah. it gets in it tells you the story it wants to tell you and it gets the fuck out so mm-hmm. there's very little like um you know we often accuse movies of having like quite a lot of like um, second act lull 
where you know there's just filler in the middle of the movie there's not a lot of that in this it kind of moves you know and, and we'll talk more about that as we get, go through the plot maybe a little bit but like you know it's very very competent on on every level it really is and i think it manages to to, to, to bring together um so much of the technical stuff and so much of the, of the of the, th- the thematic stuff it combines them in a way that i think is is really quite extraordinary you know you get all of that you get those two things the thematic and the technical weave together in just in, in it's perfect let's let's maybe I'll, I'll do a plot summary we can get into the plot we can get into some of the behind the scenes stuff as well um and let's talk about this movie so um children of men is a in 2027, which is not that far away from where we are now, in a chaotic world in which women have become somehow infertile, a former activist agrees to help transport a miraculously pregnant woman to a sanctuary at sea. Now, the concept of this, I think, is where is a is, is such a strong point. It comes again from the P.D. James and novel, which I have not read, but I think I'm very tempted to do so. And just the idea, just the idea that there has been no babies born but nearly 20 years like that is a great dystopian seed isn't it and i think so much a good science fiction comes from what if boom you know what if we had robots that would that, that raised uh, that raised up and, and and took us over or whatever other you know examples you can think of like you have that starting point and from there you're kind of your imagination's going almost as fast as a movie is to think about all the different effects that this would have. I think that's a great starting point for a film. Yeah, and it's um it's really interesting generally like of I really love the world in this. I'm not love it because it's horrible, but like I really love the aesthetic that they go for and it's kind of like this idea that um like I said the film opens with a I think a newsreel about um you know the world's youngest the world's the world's youngest person has been killed in a in a fight outside a bar. Um, and he was 18 and like you know he was the last baby to be born and you know so you're like what and then it kind of like leads in more and more and you get the you know britain standing alone which is just fucking we'll get into that i'm sure um but like it sets up this world of just like this you know it's something that on the face of it it's like oh that's interesting idea and the more you dig into it it's like well well yeah there, there are no new people so like everyone's just getting older and more fucked and you know society becomes less productive because there's no nobody joining the workforce and nothing to carry on and and like you know after 20 years i imagine that that real sort of like well what the fuck is the point because human you know human civilization is over because there's no there's no more there's no more humans this is it it's just us living out our lives until we die and it's kind of like how do we transfer that thought and like what how would society react to like that idea and, and and the chaos and the kind of like cultural malaise that would set in with this is is just one of the like characters fascinating. yeah one of the characters says it later on it's, it's a very odd thing what happens in a world without children's voices and it and it and it really does it gets to like a core thing of obviously you know the the, the human race reproducing and continuing but the societal impact and actually i think the start of this film is is we get from Kiron um, just a just an amazing introduction to what this what this film is about. We understand everything we need to know about the world that we live in, 
in in this film about um, uh, Owen Wilson's character and where he, he where he sits. You know, this shot of everyone kind of like just aghast watching the news in this coffee shop that, my God, the last baby is died. So number one, we get the, the nice exposition um, and, and the stuff that we need to say. This has happened, as you say. And then we see Clive, Clive Owen coming in, knocking his way through people, quite nonchalantly, not really bothered by what's on TV, asking for a coffee and then leaving you know, while everyone else is 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 staring at the TV and you know, deeply affected by this, so straight away we're like, right, this guy's different. You know, and we we and, and we get to see the emotion of the of the world in the faces of of the people in there. And then this is all one shot as well. It's all one shot, and it's and it's just a remarkable bit of filmmaking. But I don't know if you were expecting what come what happens next. With the explosion, I don't. I wonder how that hit you the first time. Not at time. all. Like, I went in really blind to this movie. Obviously, you'd mentioned about like essentially that, like we said, the core concept is that uh, you know people that you know women can't fall pregnant anymore. Like you know, so good news, men, no more condoms. Um, but women can't <laughs> fall pregnant anymore. So like, no more children. Like, and you know, it's been twenty years. They say later on, by the way, that there was a flu epidemic in two thousand eight because that's what killed Clive Owen's son when he was a baby um oh, so like we stopped having children and then there was a flu pan epidemic and i'm like oh that sounds fucking familiar except they were you know what 15 years out <laughs> yeah yeah no I mean, in 2008 2006 movie we had a financial crash so a different yeah. kind of tragedy <laughs> there's lots of yeah there's 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 plenty of uh shit to go around but, uh, but we're but right on track though, in 2027 the fall of society right on track yeah it's fine the explosion, though, because this again, again, you know, we we come out of the um, coffee shop, we we pan around to this kind of like you know vaguely like a like a dirty Blade Runner, you know, style um, with with the 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 adverts on the buses and and you know there's the little carts, little taxi carts, tuk tuks things being driven around, but the explosion and that how did that hit you there? Because to me, this is. This is like the ultimate, basically, like from an app, you know, because you you're watching it and you kind of like how many movies do that? You open it, it's quite sedate. He's getting coffee, very mundane. You've got all this new stuff going on. He sits down to put <laughs> whiskey in his coffee in the morning. I feel like Clive Owen is always playing this alcoholic, like degenerate yeah. character. Anyway, yeah. he puts whiskey in his coffee, and then there's just this explosion. And I think the sound design is really good because it didn't hurt my ears. But like it shocked me. I didn't jump quite, but you know that sort of like, oh god, what what's happening? <laughs> you know, oh we're really jumping into it straight away here. Yeah, it, it, I think it again though. It's about storytelling, and this is what's so impressive about this movie as we go through is that all of the bit, all of the stuff in there is about expounding on the story without necessarily having. I mean, we get a little bit with the newsreaders, but other than that, we don't get we don't get many scenes of like. Well, and back in Ort Four, you know, this is what happened. Like they're kind of, they, they, and I don't think Coron really. I think he's talked about how he doesn't really like the heavy exhibitions. He's you know, kind of show not tell. But the fact that there's an explosion like this straight away it suggests that the world is in turmoil. Like so, you understand that this has happened. It's sad. Everyone's a bit sad. But also, there's this edge to the to the world that we live in now, where people are people are dying. People are dying, and this is extremely. You know, it's extremely bad what's going on, and that 
I think it just sets up the film wonderfully because from here we get a bit more downtime as Clive Owen's kind of doing his thing but you're always on you're you're always on your you know waiting for something else the tension in this movie is built so massively and I think it starts here and that's what I just, yeah. I just think technically it's just amazing it's an amazing achievement to get that in the first minute and a half of your film and it moves you know? it really moves as a film uh, like um, I mean you know you mentioned about Quaron not really liking like heavy exposition and it again benefits the movie that we just jump straight in and the framing the news article of like as this the youngest boy ever it's not like and now we're going to be talking about why did we stop having babies wasn't that weird like so many sci-fi movies do oh. that like do you remember that year when it didn't rain and you're like right okay so fucking get on with it you know and i think that's a bit more like a, a bit more of a light touch um and you introduce us to our all of our main characters really we get to meet michael kane uh mike O'Kane very early on love this wig on him um <laughs> and he's like he's he's growing weed in the woods <laughs> yeah basically doing his best uh, john lennon impression is what i took away from that because uh, he's with the hair and the glasses and and the fun they're kind of like you know like it's it's very evocative isn't it it's evocative of yeah. uh of, of they're going for something yeah which i like uh, i do like that but you're right. I, I think the fact that we do get no real exposition um, about, or, or no, but we do get exposition, but it's 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 part of the fabric of the world. The other place we see it, and this is where we can get into maybe the Brexitness of this, is when they're on the <laughs> they get on the train or on the bus. Um, no, it's on the train, isn't it? I think, and they've got the advert. You know, they're listing all these different countries, all these capital cities that have fallen: Washington, Berlin. You know, Paris, all gone, all fallen down. Only Britain stands tall and there's a flag waving. And and there's and... a lot of that in this. We get, like, uh, later on we have Albion FM, uh, like a, you know, a Britain only. And, like, you've got all this imagery of, like, the island with all these walls up and we're throwing um, refugees uh, into camps and then basically, like, I don't know what we're doing with them then. Uh, just like just like now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You know. and, and 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 that to me is like i mean this is 2006 this is this is kind of like peak iraq war protests you know this is where we are with i think britain which is you know a kind of like center left ish government in the labor government um but we've we are we, you know we britain's quite a is a it's quite a right-wing country anyway i think and so this is kind of reflecting on a lot of that and i think sending it back but what's so bleak is that you know, it's only a bit worse than I think where, where we're at now. And I'm not trying not to be too necessarily party political, but it feels like as a country we have um, we have moved towards the right in a way that it's across the globe, that's the case. But th- this film well, kind of nails... See, you can certainly see the lines of like how you get from A to B. And like, like you said, I think... Britain is quite a conservative country generally. Um, we've certainly been guilty of every all the crimes that the British government commits in this film in the past, uh, in one way or another. Yeah. Um, so there's precedent there, and like you can really see how you would get to like right. The world's governments are falling. Right, there's you know complete lack of, and but your brain fills all of that in. Like oh, there's a complete lack of confidence because there's no future markets. Like there just aren't. So like. You know, we can't solve this. 20 years is long enough to know that the scientists can't fucking solve this. There's just, you know, there's not... 
it's not doable. So yeah. like confidence falls. You've got like countries that would teeter and struggle anyway. Like you get you know extremists and you get people with you know different opinions suddenly wanting to seize power because it's weakness. Britain as a small conservative nation with a sea between us and everyone else, <laughs> like. You know, there's a lot of writing on the wall here of like, yes, so more police, you know, no refugees because... And th- that, even in 2006, there was a big conservative anti-immigrant stance, which has only gotten worse, Um, but it was certainly there in 2006 of like, you know, the sorts of people who would be like, no, fuck off, the country's full. And like, you know, small-minded individuals who, you know, maybe... In my opinion, uh, don't, well, you know, they don't understand the issue very well, but the, the sentiment is there, and you can see how, like, in a, in a, this future sort of like, um, you know, horoscope, uh, you, you know, we've just we've set up all these camps, like what they say. I can't remember the, the name of the town. It's not a real town, I don't think. Bex which Hill, is basically is it? like, huh? Bex Hill is where they where they've got yeah, this Bex refugee. Yeah, Bex Hill camp. is like the city yeah. on the coast where they send all the refugees and basically just lock them in like it's you know it's it's the warsaw ghetto like basically and it's kind of astounding to see and you know you've got all these cages on train platforms and in like town squares and like that's just a very like blunt instrument way of kind of getting it across but you know but like... but but, it, but, it, but uh, you know and, and again let's go back to this so we're talking about thematic stuff here but let's go back to the technical for a minute let's talk about how they managed to achieve this which is you know they're very overt so we get things like we get little things, little things like um, metal grating on train windows. Now, I I always remember this. So it's uh, because I think it's it suggests that number one, there's a problem that they that, that, that they need to deal with. Very practically, there's a problem that people throw things at trains, and it smashes windows. It causes problems. They need to replace the windows. The people get hurt on the trains. Just from that, just from that choice to get a train and to put some metal grating on it as a set, you, you, it unlocks so much in my head of thinking, well, how did they get to that point? Why are people throwing things at trains? Why are they, um, you know, w- what's resulted in that being a policy that, that has to happen? And the, the point is, is that society's collapsed. And so there are people who are pissed off. There are people who are trying to, you know just get anything get any money or or food whatever it is and so the point is that the 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 metal on the on the train windows represents the thematic stuff in this film and and so there's so much of that that i think is is that is just littered throughout i mean the cage is on the platform and we see very overtly we see this woman speaking german and you know she looks very old she looks quite emaciated and it's like, so they are they are using the imagery from the 20th century, the Holocaust, yeah. you know, the Nazis. They're using that in a way to evoke the same emotions. And later on, we get to see, obviously, I mean, so much of that, which when we come to the camp, we can really dive into it. But straight away, the film is is using all of the, it's using all of the shortcuts in your brain to to, to horror and to discrimination and to violence. And it's using that to further the thematic stuff, which this film wants to talk about. And that's dead clever. That's dead clever to do that and to fill in all the blanks for you so that you you know exactly what the film is trying to say. 
Yeah, and like you said, it doesn't distract from the actual like narrative of this movie, which is, you know, by and large, it's Clive Owen going from place to place. Like that's that's the movie. Um, I don't think I don't know if we even have a scene without Clive Owen. Um, I could be wrong, but I think that he's on screen pretty much all of the time. Uh, mm. You know, we never get like a cutaway to his secondary character. It's always just Clive Owen. Um, there's some other like stark things as well. So um, he gets kidnapped by the what's what's the name of the resistance group? The fishes, the fishes. The fishes. Yeah. Um, I was going to say fireflies, which but that's a different property. I think that's the Last of Us, which the is Last of Us, yeah. movie, To be fair, <laughs> um, so it's the fishes, uh, and that they like. I, I, this is a really there's some real humour in this, and I think I messaged you because you were like, asking me how it was going. It's really funny. The first like half an hour of this movie is really amusing. Um, so they put a bag over his head and like throw him in the back of this van and he's like oh god oh god he's pissing himself because he's like just an office worker uh, they take him to this place with the big lights and they, they we're, we're not going to hurt you just asking him questions and then it's his ex-girlfriend he's like yeah. oh, hey mate what's going on um, the and then when they take him back they, they, <laughs> put, they put the bag yeah exactly I think he even says something like that yeah you couldn't have called um, and like put a bag over his head to take him out again and then throws a load of change after him and says, bus fare. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm laughing because it's funny. And it's like, but, you know, that establishes this like underground sort of like uh, resistance movement to this, you know, right wing government, which is kind of, again, they don't bother explaining what this resistance group is resisting against or what the government's doing. It's just kind of a fact that exists. Well, it's a police think, state, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like trusting your audience to know that without being like, without well, having we a rally or without having a speech or without having a newscast. We don't get an evil really, prime minister. Because you trust your audience to understand what's going on in the world. Not every movie is this movie and not every movie that does this has it work. This movie, I think it does work very, very well. Yeah, you're exactly right because you could have you could have that scene. You, you could even have him as an antagonist to saying... I want get. I want those fishes caught. Like you could have all that, and it would Arrow. be. <laughs> and it, and it would. I think it would really hurt the, the 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 film from that point. But but again, I think it's maybe why the film isn't necessarily, and not that we're sitting there with some fucking galaxy brains who are clever than everyone well, else. We are. Very very clever. Very <laughs> podcast, of course we do. Uh, Look at the size of Sam's forehead. You can't see it, but I assure you, it's massive. <laughs> Uh, well, well, my forehead aside, um, it's uh, and that's a that's a glass house that you do not want to be throwing stones in, Dave. Just saying, <laughs> mine gets bigger by the day, Sam. It's a real, um, and it's a real future I'm, market, if you understand what I mean. I think I've I think I've kind of peaked. I think that's maybe it for my hair loss. I'm hoping. <laughs> any worse Sam, we're that. in our early thirties. It's only downhill from here. <laughs> shit, shit. This will forever remain audio podcast. I think, but the the. The, the point though is that we when when we're introduced to all of this we're kind of just we're we're, we're along on the ride it's a, it's a road movie as well isn't it i mean let's let's call oh it yeah in the best biggest baddest possible way and i mean that in a good way conversely it's um, a road movie and i think clive owen is doing is doing a good job of the understated alcoholic slob you know he's kind of he's kind of he's neutral enough isn't he at the beginning this is my favorite clive owen movie um that I just saw today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I mentioned off the top that like, oh, did you know Clive Owen isn't American? Because of course he fucking did, because his American accent is atrocious, like so many actors. But like, I kind of know Clive Owen from those, um, 
you know those daft like action movies. I can't remember what the name yeah, of it he's was. Pretty, he's pretty. He's got a baby, very weird career, isn't he? He's going around punching things. It's him in Sin City, isn't it? That's Clive Owen. No, that's Josh Hartnett, isn't it? Anyway, regardless. Um, G- like, Google things, listener. Like, one of us will be right. Man, um, yeah, well, well and... the, the, the one that I know from the most is probably um, the Bourne Identity, where he plays the... Uh, oh, of course, he plays the, the mo- sniper. The moody sniper, yeah. who's Inside Man, of course, which I hadn't mentioned, which is oh, yeah, obviously the big man. one. And, episode. fuck you, Sam, Sin City is Clive Owen. Oh, is it? I thought Josh Hartnett yeah, was yeah, in no, that it's, well. I think there's a second one, but he's definitely in Sin City. Anyway, anyway. So uh, he's a big right. craggy man. He looks great damn in black it, and white. Damn it, um, damn it. But no, I know Clive Owen. Like largely, he's doing this American accent, or like uh, even the even um, the Inside Man. He's doing like a weird sort of like pan international accent. Like, but it's really refreshing, and it gives him room to like actually act when Mm. he's not having to do an accent. And like, my God, that's so nice and refreshing. Is just just Clive Owen. He's just a bloke, and he's just talking like you know. He talks, and it's like, oh great! So he can actually like stretch his acting muscles because not every actor is you know Patrick Stewart. Not every actor is capable of like doing it all. Mm-hmm. Not every actor is Daniel Day Lewis. Is a better example, in fact, of like a an actor who's you know brilliant at like taking on a role. So it's um it's almost like the you know they've written this with Clive Owen in mind to a certain extent. It does it does feel like that, doesn't it? It does feel like. We get lots of um, we get lots of his what he's good at, I think, and 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 that helps. I think he was involved in in a lot of the kind of writing as well. So I think there is a, there is a real sense of him him kind of fitting in this role nicely, which I think is is good. Um, kind of what's next then is like this. It, it, it's the call, isn't it? It's called call to action, and and Clive Owen has to get some papers from his cousin. And again, this film yeah, is like which just. It's kind of an excuse to show us like yet more cultural appropriation. Um, well, it, like it, as if it's the just British having Museum the most fun, isn't it? Wasn't full enough. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like they just they they were specifically went around and raided all of the things. Just I think like there's a line. I think there's a line about because this guy they, they say that in the movie that this this cousin I can't remember his name, uh, Clive Owen goes to visit him and he lives on this big compound and he's got like a centre car. Uh, and uh, he says something like, you know, oh, well, you know, we acquired this piece, and it's um, is it Michael 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 David, David. and it's been repaired because it's obviously been damaged, and, like, I think there is some line about how, I mean, obviously, again, we're sort of expanding on what the movie tells us, but there's some line about how, like, all of this is basically just being, like, quote-unquote recovered, just like we, just like, you know, when we recovered the Parthenon. Yes. Or when we recovered the benin bronzes or when we recovered the subcontinent of india yeah Um, we continue to recover it and look after it just in case (laughs) greece once again falls into uh into except that unfortunate times then where we used bleach to clean quite a lot of the path of the elgin marbles damaged irreparably quite a few you can't call them elgin Um, marbles anymore lord elgin had is is that's that's a bit controversial but the uh but the the um you're totally right and 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 as you say you're kind of like building on you the, the the law of the film yourself you're doing a lot of that work well while you're watching it but then again the movie is just reveling in this is reveling in having the pig and the and the Batsy power station which i think is a pink floyd um cover which yeah. i think maybe the first few times i thought oh that's just a reference but actually no i think the cousin i think that the cousin has done that specifically 
as a ref. Yeah. You know, he's he's done that in 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 well, as a character in the film. Because he captures the he captures the malaise quite a lot, I think. And Clive Owen asks him, he says like, because obviously Clive Owen's like this nihilistic, like, why am I even alive? It's kind of his mo for much of this movie, and like everyone around him who isn't, uh, you know, in this secret organization or a uh, fugi. Uh, which is a word, by the way, they just don't tell you what it means. You just expect it. I think I messaged you. I was like, does Fugi mean refugee? And you were yeah. like, yes. <laughs> because Fugi, it just, yeah. And again, you believe, you're trusting your audience to pick it up as they go on. But he asked yeah. his cousin, he says, like, how can you just like be surrounded by all of this, like, be, you know, all of these great creations of humanity, knowing that <laughs> everything's all, dead and it's all, you know, in yeah. a generation, like, there will be nobody left, like you know. And as more people die and more people get old, it's gonna get harder and harder. And like that's when the movie kind of like just briefly touches on the true horror of what these people—not necessarily what's existing in this world, which is bad—but what these people are facing in the next forty or fifty years. The implication: everybody is gonna be in their over sixty, and you're like, "Fuck!" Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, it's just the implication of that. I also think I live, the, I, I live in North Yorkshire, Sam. So I already live in that world. <laughs> Where, yeah. every, where everybody's over 50. <laughs> and you're as uh, haggard and alcoholic as uh, Clive Owen is. I've so aged maybe, horribly. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's, yeah. But the, the other thing with the cousin as well is that he represents the upper strata of society. And so, I mean, the, again, like, my God, filmmaking shouldn't be this good. But there's, he's in the fancy car, sat in the back of the fancy car, and they are literally clearing out this horrible 60s, a tower block throwing things out of the window people are in cages people are being round you know round i mean again the imagery is is just extraordinarily upsetting but the point is is the contrast and obviously there are a strata of of people who are living a very different life than than everyone else you know even clive owen is is elevated a little bit. He's some kind of bureaucrat. He was, I think, he yeah. was an activist, but has obviously given it up now until he gets pulled back in. So, but even what's scary, is, Sam, is that like we mentioned this, and we're going to keep hitting on this, but like it's using, you know, the Germans rounding up the Jews in World War Two. It's using that like cultural cachet to tell you this. And like honestly, we have all seen footage, and obviously more recently, of refugees being treated in this way. Of asylum seekers being treated in this way, sure, it's not quite as bombastic, and it's not, do you know what I mean, on the, on the same scale. But we've I mean, seen it. There are I mean, camps even... in America where they're separating children from families for fucking some reason. No, no. Like it's in happening cages. right now, and like it just makes this film really, really hit home because we are this fucking close to this being a reality yeah, where and... we are all okay with this, and we're just going to work and getting a coffee and crying about someone on tv dying and like but ultimately not our problem and exactly. like this movie captures that like so perfectly exactly and especially when you think about the context of this film which is again middle of the you know the the, the war in the middle east and the humanitarian how, how little they knew <laughs> the humanitarian crisis that is going on and, and and again you've nailed it because it's it's the normality of it isn't it it's the it's just the the mundanity uh, of it what what can i do about it do you know what I mean? And that's not necessarily indictment of everyone who's who's not out protesting, but 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 more to say that how quickly things can be normalised, how quickly all of this can turn into holy shit. Like I, I'm just trying to get to work, and I don't really have you know. I, I just think it's a 
it is a total masterstroke. And also, it's quite it's quite it's quite good to look at as well. And that's the other thing with this film is you're going through. I mean, you know, with all of the all of these great artworks, I think I think it's the Gern- a stunning Gernica, movie. Like all of this is just uh, is, fi- filmed on film. I think film, yeah, yeah, and 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 I think you know the 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 detail and the work to get these to get these shots right to get there to be a real element of of intrigue in every single shot you know i'm going to pull out a fancy french word maison scene uh which is like basically what you see on screen you know and and that the, the maison scene in this movie is top quality because everything has an intentionality now an example is a very obvious one is all of the newspapers you know we see when Clive Owen's abducted, we see newspapers with headlines. When we go to see Michael Caine's character with his with his um, his wife, all of the all of the headlines there speak to something. They speak to adding depth and texture to this movie. And that's just oftentimes it's just a single shot. Oftentimes we're not really invested much in in what's there, but it's enough because we're given so much on screen, and that. It shouldn't work, really. Like it shouldn't work. It shouldn't be as effective as it is. I it should think. be. It should be a lot more distracting than it is. Yeah. Uh, but it isn't, and it doesn't feel like. Uh, what a great um, comparison movie you brought was uh, High Rise, which is a previous episode you'll go back and listen to because I really get told off by Hume Ross, uh, which is always fun. But like comparatively, that's another kind of like art, I hesitate to use the word art house, but it's an artsy movie. Uh, not for I, that movie, which I think I called house, it, but this movie, arty wanky movie, was my was my <laughs> which is why I said uh, on the, the official set. imaginary movie podcast designation. Um, but like this, probably sits more on the arty scale and less on the wanky scale because it's not high, high rise is a is a is a is a very intentionally well crafted movie where they stop about every three minutes so that everyone involved can pat themselves on the back and congratulate yeah. themselves on what a Look good at job this shot. Doing. Look at it. Look at it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas Quaron, yeah. I think, is just like a better director than Ben Wheatley. Like, a, look at me, knowing director's names off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> it's just a better director than Ben Wheatley and, like, is more competent. So you have all of this. It doesn't distract. It positively adds to the film. But if you didn't, if you missed it, if you were like... You know, it wouldn't detract either, and it's kind of like a, this film doesn't feel overstuffed for it. And but the production design, you can obviously tell in every single scene, every single prop, every single vehicle they use, all the costumes, like everything. There's a real intentionality about all of it, and like you know the aesthetic they're going for. Like you said, Sam, all the things that you see when obviously we meet Michael Caine and we see all the political cartoons that he's done. And, you know, they're telling us the history of the world. So it's there for us, the nerds, to be like, oh, yeah. But actually, on the face of it, this is a road movie where Clive Owen gets shot at a lot. Like, that's, you know, which is, that's got massive appeal. Everyone will enjoy that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It treads that line very, very well, despite the fact that, like, actually, viewers didn't turn out and see this movie. I think it is very, very well thought of even now, Um, obviously, by people other than you. Yes, other than me. The um, no, I think you're. All, I think you're completely right, and I think you've you, it manages to to tread that balance really well. Let's let's get into the plot of this because again, you're coming up from from never seen this before. Did you? I I imagine you suspected that 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 um, you you kind of knew what was going on with Key 
with this 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 young woman. <laughs> do you know how? Do you know how I knew something was going on? Because uh, I was reading some of the production and it was on about the single takes. And the longest one is when she gives birth. So I knew the character name and I knew she gave birth. Oh right, okay. <laughs> maybe before I watched it. Well, I don't. Uh, I don't think. I don't think it's designed to be like a trap reveal. No, you know, it's not, not, at not all. gonna. But but it's but, a but, it's a <gasps> for Clive Owen. But obviously, as soon as we find out no one's given birth in twenty years, you're like, well, this is going to be a movie about a woman giving birth. Obviously, yeah, this woman. <laughs> like, yeah. that's that's the plot. Yeah, but it but it's such a again thematically having her be a young, you know, a black woman who's who's a refugee. Like it adds another layer because you've got this horrible right wing government who would not accept that they would take the baby away, as they say, and give it to a nice middle class British woman, white woman. Yeah, well, there's all there's so much, so much wrapped up in this. Is like my god, this film is 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 working so so many levels. But you know, the thing I want to talk about is is the personal relationships because that's again, we we're not just we're not just working at this high level. We're not just working at this like. You know what you could accuse a lot of sci-fi movies of is just I have this concept and I want to just show you everything that resulted because of this thing that happened. You know, like t- time travel was invented, and I'm just going to show you all whatever the whatever the thing is. Sometimes science fiction movies, and my God, most ninety percent of science fiction books are just concerned with showing off how clever they are and how much they've managed to think about this eventuality. Whereas really. And we see it in the car journey with um, uh, Chiwetel, uh, Julianne Moore. Um, I don't know the the, the actors' names. Um, Key and uh, uh, the woman, who, the the midwife, uh, Miriam. Um, so it's uh, Claire Hope Astley plays Key, and uh, Pam Ferris, of course, Pam Ferris, who we know from Matilda, don't we? Uh, we do. Fantastic. They're all chatting. Julianne, in the car. Julianne Moore plays. Uh, yeah, Julianne Moore. Julian yeah. <laughs> invented that. Yeah. And and here and this again again, we we get like a very different tone. Kind of, kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, after all the conflict and after all the I want my money and, you know, people kind of being a bit hard ass with each other, they're all a bit more relaxed. They're driving down. You know, they're talking about what's going on. They do this thing with the with the 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 ping pong ball it's all quite light and we get to see a little bit of the relationship that julian moore and clive owen had we get to see the kind of developing relationship between key and and and, and clive owen and also obviously the stronger one they have with the midwife and julian moore's character and like this is such a great th- th- this again does the same thing as the start of the movie which is we get lots of um we get lots of kind of like exposition in a way that you don't necessarily feel like you're being told what's you know the backstory of these characters and then we get one of just totally shocking and completely comes out of nowhere scene where they're attacked and and julian moore gets shot now again what did you think of this coming at it from a brand new you know where did that come from and and what did you feel (laughs) it's where the film stops being funny (laughs) (laughs) um it's kind of like the um there's a if you look at the movie and you look at the kind of i'm certain that the script kind of went through changes as well um because uh, i was just reading when i was looking at the cast that uh, julianne moore was initially cast to play the mother the, the, the you know the new mother um so but 
there's a, like a, a crossroads here where this movie then could have been about uh, Clive Owen and Julianne Moore sort of like rekindling their relationship and getting over the trauma of the son that they lost, which we find out a bit more about later. Uh, actually, the movie decides that, like, <laughs> nope, so it kills her. Um, <laughs> the movie decides to shoot her in the neck. <laughs> we get a great set piece of, like, um, all the people charging out of the woods, like an, an, an <gasps> insane amount of people, uh, like the car being on fire and... Chiwetel and Julianne Moore know immediately that, that what it is when they see the car. They're like, right, we'll fucking get, you know. So they know exa- exactly what's going on. She gets shot. You get to see this grief. I think it's a great performance by Owen of like, he starts, you know, starts by like holding a neck and things. And then I think probably realizes that there's nothing he can do. Mm-hmm. And then she's dead. And like, it's a lot of screaming. And again, good sound design because my ears didn't hurt. But like, there's a lot of screaming. It's very loud. There's gunshots. There's explosions there's fire the windscreen gets blown out you've got chuatelogy for like who within the confines of this movie i think we find out later like he set this up but like he's doing his absolute best panicked like driving acting thing and it's you know and he's a he is a wonderful wonderful actor uh they were both in inside man in fact so they've acted together before and julianne moore was in that movie oh yeah was she was she no she wasn't i'm thinking of, i'm thinking of um I'm thinking of somebody else. Oh, yes, I know who you mean. Yes, yeah, yeah. Julianne um, Moore feel to to, to that. Uh, just to, I'm thinking to, of Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. <laughs> She's yeah. not Julie no, Moore. they they definitely live in the same house in my head. That's uh, the, the uh, <laughs> um, what sort of what what they get up to in this house. Sam? <laughs> Should I be like confused? Acting, or? Dave. They're actors. Acting. Uh, <laughs> no, I think you're 100 right, and I think. It, I think it is it is when the movie decides, hmm, this is now serious shit. And we haven't had quite had the reveal that, that, that Key's pregnant yet, but we, you know, you're kind of guessing. But again, let's go back to the tentacle. I'm going to keep doing it because it's in, it, it, it represents this film perfectly, is that how they shot this. Now, most of the time... Um, we don't. It's we don't see any external shots or very few external shots of them in the car. It's all internal, and and I remember I remember googling this however many years ago. I was like, how the how the hell did they do this? How the hell did they, did they shoot this? What they had is this car on a you know a trolley or whatever being driven around, and there's a camera on the roof that's kind of there's a hole in the roof and the camera's going in, and so. Basically, this camera can turn around and move in for, for, uh, on on the you know, uh, on on the roof of the car, on the ceiling of the car where they're sitting, I suppose. And so that's why we can get so much of this fluidity now. Most of it's a single take. I think there's maybe a you know maybe technically there's a couple of cuts, but for all intents and purposes, it's I think a single it cuts take. to the external of the outside of the car. Yeah, it cuts to so those will be the cuts where it cuts to the people chasing the car. But where there's just no way you'd be able to do that simultaneously. But yeah. like I said, all the internal shots is all one continuous but shot. But the camera can move aside because most of the time when they shoot, in, you know, when they're shooting in a car, uh, most of the time you can tell because the camera is either in the front seat or the back seat, which means you never get the people in the front seat and the people in the back seat in the same shot unless the camera's on the bonnet. In which case, do you know what I mean? So you like, see it. So so this usually so this it's rig... composite, but this shows and like adds so much to the movie. That like it's really technically proficient, 
and it feels claustrophobic. And again, again, this is this is what I just don't. It, it's amazing. It's another example of where they use the technical, they use this camera, and the and the, and the way that it, it doesn't leave the car. You know, you you have this sense because they're having fun, and then all of a sudden she's shot, and you can see the camera switching around and all this stuff. And so it's using all this to add to the sense that you're in the car with with these people, and that is that is the key. Is that it's not just there for a laugh. It's there, or it's not there for just because it's cool. It's there to add to the film. It's there to add to the position that you feel as an audience where you're immersed, just like we were at the start. And then we get the shocking scene. We get Julian Moore being killed and them trying to get away, you know, and, and, and the, when the police officers turn up and Chiwetel shoots them and all of a sudden, again... That scene's terrifying, though, because we've had the action scene. We're still like, oh, oh, oh. And then they see the police coming after them and Chiwetel says... Get your passports out, everyone. Get your passports British out. British citizens, British because citizens. Because guess what? It's British fucking. Ger- it is Germany in 1941, and papers. Where the fuck are your papers? Or I'm yeah. going to shoot you. And again, like it's really easy to see how we got to this point in this universe. But like, as a hu- as people, we've been here a lot. <laughs> you know, this is this is old hat. And like, they get the passports out, and like I said, the police are then like all right, maybe we won't shoot you. And they don't quite even put their guns away. And Chiwetel just like ices these guys. And it's like, yeah. fuck. And then Clive Owen's like, what? What did you do that for? And he just starts <laughs> driving. And you're like, you're right there with Clive Owen. You're like, fuck, I don't know what's happening. What is the plan now? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it's, and then it's kind of, we get the, we get a bit of downtime, don't we? Bit of time to relax before the next thing. And, and a bit of intrigue, Sam. Yeah, the bit like the introductions of these these fishes and what they're doing, they're all sitting there, they've elected a new leader. And you know, like it, it feels it feels like it feels like that bit in in um, in Lord of the Rings when 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 they reach they reach Rivendell and Sam says <laughs> Well, job done. Uh should we go home now, Frodo? Look, we'll just should we get I'll get him to cook phone a taxi for us, shall I? Brilliant. And yeah. Clive Owen's like Cheers, cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. You've got it. I'm gonna just send them like, no, no, no. You stay. You stay. We'll deal with that in the morning. And obviously, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna ice him as well because these fishes are. They're like. I mean, just a slight thing. Like, rule number one of um, being a baddie in a movie, like maybe be absolutely certain the person you're planning to kill isn't listening to you talking about killing him. Like, maybe yeah. just be absolutely certain you can see him but he's like far enough away that you can't hear what you're saying like i you know, don't i mean like be just absolutely certain let's let's put a lock on his door you know oh i don't know i'm not sure it must have been jam like yeah it's it's very or just kill him right there and then you know just just be done this thing it. isn't there where like um and and look, we shouldn't dwell massively on like all these all these scenes because i think we could go for like four hours on this movie because we would just talk about how we love every single scene every single shot but <laughs> They 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 quite a lot. Um, I want to talk a bit about how Clive Owen's a really passive hero in this movie, Ooh, um, yeah. which is something that struck me, like largely because, like I said, in usually, uh, like Clive Owen's this big. He's done a lot of action movies, even in like um, the Born Identity, which is the first one. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so I've no fucking clue with those movies. Uh, well, it's the Born Ultimatum. Anyway, um, so he's in he, in the Born film. He's like he's he's a killer. He's a guy. He goes out and kills people. In the Inside Man, he's like this really competent, like suave, dangerous, violent criminal. And like in this movie, he's just like he works behind a desk and he's like, oh 
god. Yeah. And I don't even think he... There's one instance in this movie later on where he, like, um, attacks a Sid, uh, the, the, the the police officer who... The like, Scottish guy. Yeah. Sid um, doesn't know, Sid doesn't care. Exactly. A great performance there. I mean, we'll say that every time we mention an actor, I'm certain. Um, but, like, he smashes him in the face, and we can assume he's, you know, he's with not a car dead, battery, dead, which is like, fuck he's, me. He's dead, he's dead when the Harrier jets bomb the place about an hour after that. Um, but, like, he never picks up a gun, and I was and I was kind of waiting for it. Like, and it's a way that I think this movie maybe plays with your expectations as a viewer, because you expect Clive Owen to. And even like he's walking around barefoot a, a lot of this. Well, fucking, you, you just stole it from him. me. You, just... you expect him to turn into John McClane and start like full die hard, motherfucker, and then he's gonna break in and rescue this woman. And like, it's not that. But it, wor- it works in Die Hard. It's it not works that here. because he's he wants to protect this woman, but like, and he does that by protecting this woman, but not not by picking up a gun and being a badass, but just by being like mm. there and kind of like doing the best that he can within. And it makes for a movie where, like, it, you could accuse this movie of being just, you know, Clive Owen being, uh, not having a lot of agency because he does just stumble. And um, <clears throat> and uh, is it Key, the woman, as mm-hmm. well? Uh, and her as well, like, stumbling from kind of scene to scene. And I think it really adds itself to the fact that, like, these, are not, these people aren't out there committing violence. They are kind of having violence committed against them. And... But without it being boring and without them like having to write their way out of corners a lot. Yeah, it, I think it, we brought up quite a few different things there on the John on the, the the Die Hard thing. I think the vulnerability of Clive Owen is and the, the you know, having him wearing flip flops for half of this movie, which I mean <laughs> I hate having cold feet. My God, I would rather I would rather jam my toes into a pair of small shoes and have to have any cold feet and so all of well, that well I have a solution Sam just get those flip flops duct tape just right around job done yeah yeah. or even cut a hole I was thinking hmm, maybe cut a hole in in some of Jasper's <laughs> shoes and then put a bag and then tape up the bag And that would be- are you telling anyway. me that Clive Owen can't get into Michael Caine's shoes just uh, just saying that's just that's what the film is. but anyway the point is so you've it's about, it's about vulnerability and I think it's also about like there's a, there's a lot of stuff about masculinity in this film as well you know about how Clive Owen is is his his brand of masculinity is much more, you know he he doesn't really get angry. He's quite he's quite sedate. He's quite kind of, you know, he's not really there doing the action hero thing. And as you say, the protection of Key is more about is is more about looking after her and and not being like an action star. Whereas everyone else, you know, Chiwetel is like let's. Let's 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 blow up some fucking sandwich shops, you know. Let's do all these horrible things that are very very male or, or traditionally masculine kind of responses to stuff. I mean, the, this is summed up by the Geordie character, who is just <laughs> mental, totally mental with his dreadlocks, and he's like, it's it's great. White it's guy totally, dreadlocks, you yeah. know, you're in for a wild ride. Oh fuck me, I grew up so many of those. So there's all of this stuff. There's all of this stuff, and I think it adds everyone to always the... says that North Wales is the Jamaica of uh, Wales. <laughs> well, well, you know what? Actually, though, there's the the other thing with this. The other thing, and it's a sense of I think Koran came to the UK to film Harry Potter. I think the sick. By the way, movie. he made the best Harry Potter film, in my in my humble opinion. Oh, that's a that's uh, a good discussion. That's a future argument to have. Another, I think another... it's the superior but, movie. Do you not think? Do you not think that he manages? And obviously, it's filmed in the UK, and and the production 
the whole team will have evolved. It's, you know, he manages to capture that sense of like the 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 different the different elements of Britain. You've got this, you know, you've got this more right wing stuff that comes through very strongly, but also all of the people in the fishes are all very they they live alternative lifestyles. Do you know what I mean? And for me, there's even even his name, like his name's Theo, you know, and uh, there's there's lots of there's lots of stuff that's quite evocative of a very different lifestyle that these more left wing in theory people live because yeah. they're like there's all of this stuff. I think it rings. It manages so it, Sam, but true. without it being like terribly stereotypical. Um, yeah, and the closest they get to it being terribly stereotypical um, is Michael Caine. Uh, who we haven't really talked about a lot, um, but like he's the closest that we get to like, you know, hippie oh, dippy. he's just a, an old hippie and he gets lives in the woods the time and he lives in the woods Smoke. and he doesn't trust the government and like, yeah. But you know, it doesn't it doesn't come across as like we have all this. This is this film isn't a video game and and we accuse some films of being video games and vice versa, but like it's not just a stereotypical like. It feels well character. observed doesn't it it, it feels does well and every every character feels like they belong um yeah. obviously like i said uh, michael kane's character we have to introduce him because we have to have somewhere to go in the second act mm-hmm. <laughs> like from a from a film point of view that's the entire reason this character exists we have to have somewhere to go in the second act and we have to have a low point at the beginning of the third act um so we go to michael kane's place and that again like competency you're not sat there scratching your head going why are we going here what are we doing it makes perfect sense and like like we said i do think you're right sam though it captures that cross-section of society pretty well you know and that britishness which you know which is quite impressive and obviously a testament to the no quaron's obviously knows his stuff but like he isn't british so obviously but clever enough to like bring on people who are british and could maybe speak to a bit more of that I think this was shot after the London bombings as well, and uh, which is wow. which is quite when you think about the first scene. I just, it just came to well, there were lots of bombs in London in this movie. Yeah, mm, <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting, and I wonder how ah, that went down. But but yeah, God, so that seems a million years ago, doesn't it? I know it does, doesn't it? Christ, a whole literally a whole different world. I mean, even fucking David Cameron seems like a long time ago in terms of <laughs> David Cameron British. wasn't even in office. I don't. No, I'm just saying the difference of even. 2016 feels like a very long time ago compared to what we've we've been experiencing. It's been a but really the, long two years. <laughs> yes, yes. But the, the so so Michael Caine. Then let's talk about him. Let's talk. Then let's just let's just skip forward and talk about the the kind of the final the final the plan and Bexhill. The, the, the this this extraordinary set piece, and then we can we can wrap up. But Michael, so they Caine, want to get to this offshore. Place. Yeah, there's a there's a boat there's a boat coming, isn't there, from this human project, and that's the that's like the the MacGuffin of the movies. There's this people out there who are doing something to try and save the world, and you know we don't really know any more than that. And that's kind of the point, isn't it? Is that they have to put their faith and trust. It is a MacGuffin. Like we don't need to know. It's just like we need to get to X Y no. Z. The Walking Dead, by the way, the entire first season of The Walking Dead is based on the same premise. We have to get to the CDC. CDC. Why? Because we have to get to the CDC, and yeah. it is the same basic principle of like, and it's clever because it means like, all right, so we've got to get to X, right? So let's get to X. Like that's a great. Let's do that. Oh, well, and there's adversity, and there's roadblocks thrown up, and we have to work around that, and suddenly you've got a movie, you know? 
Yeah, well, and, that, and, that, and that's and that's kind of what they go for here, isn't it? And it's like, and 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 the point being that they need to break in to a refugee, um, you know, this refugee camp, and and that that again is, it's like such a just, cle- and I don't know if it's from the book, wherever wherever it's from, it's such a clever device because it. It's like breaking into prison is is enough, but the stakes, the stakes in this, because they've had the tension of trying to run away from the fishes, which is an, um, I mean, the the scene where they're trying to start the car, my my god, fucking just start it, I can't deal with this, and then as they're trying to bump start the car, it's like it's a diesel, it won't bump. Yeah, it's oh, it's just dreadful. So all of that, and and then you get a bit of downtime and a bit of humour in Michael Caine, who who adds this lovely warmth to it. You know, even though his story's pretty depressing with his wife, who's obviously not very well. All yeah, of this, that's like you know, established earlier on that we have these. What does he say? Like it's established that the government is distributing suicide kits to people over a certain age because we don't have the medical facilities to look after you. So you better fucking kill yourself. Mate. They literally distribute suicide kits, quietus, I think they're called, and it's pain free. You see a couple of adverts for it on TV and in billboards and stuff. Like it is, like fuck me, this is a, this is a whole new level. But all of this builds up to the point where they need to break into this prison, and they're kind of on their own now. It's it's just. Uh, Clive Owen and Key and and the um, the midwife uh, Miriam and Pam, Pam Bates Pam Bates no Pam Pam Ferris and Pam uh, and then they, they, you know we we have Sid we have this this very funny very menacing Scottish guy who is who is doing like he, again the tension of him like is he gonna fuck him is he gonna is he gonna go oh, and yes he does he comes back later on but is he gonna screw them over even though he's dealt with you know yes yes yeah but but now they're inside and and they're on the bus and i mean oh jesus christ and she's like, having contractions as well uh key is having contractions and it's like it and this is, is another part where these people, so Pam Ferris and, and uh, Clive Owen, they sacrifice for Key. And um, it confused me when we first watched it because this guard comes on, he wants to know what's wrong with Key and they can't let him look at her. Um, so Pam Ferris start, stands up and like when I first, when I watched it, I was like, is she having some sort of episode? Because she starts saying like, the Lord Jesus, who will save us? And she starts just like shouting random stuff. But what she's doing is she's intentionally trying to distract this guy from Key and she gets dragged off the bus and gets a hood put over her head and we're presumed murdered. I mean, I don't know, but presumably. And like, but it's very intentional, like she does it so that this guard will be like put off investigating Key. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's not, she doesn't attack anyone. It's not like a big jujitsu bus fight scene. You've not got Keanu Reeves like scowling or you know, dodging bullets. It? But it's like, it's what these, what these people can do to protect this 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 girl and it's like and it's and it's you know to a lesser extent than clive owen i think but it's like you know not everyone has to be the action hero but it's about humanity this movie and, this, and about like sacrifice and hope and, because and they are willing to sacrifice for this person that they perceive to be like a hope for the future yeah and and, and this happens in the context of like this scene when they're coming into the refugee camp i mean it is I think it's as awful as the movie gets. You know, I think it's as 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 upsetting and as bleak as the movie gets because we get to see every single every single um piece of like imagery that they could muster to really impress upon you how 
awful these 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 people are treated we get we get the cages we get people lined up with hoods we get people doing for you know the kind of force marches circular we we get a direct reference to the abu um grabe i think i'm saying that right the the, the torture in, in iraq with the guy with the hood on his head standing yeah. on a block with his fingers and he has to stay that and they're electrocuting him i mean it it is and that was fresh at the time as well. You think about two, the, the mid two thousands; that was fresh. the The imagery of this, I just think, is absolutely horrific. I mean, they just they just literally just shooting people. You can see stacks of bodies, and they're just throwing them. Yeah. And you're like, wow, wow, what what brave filmmaking to do that? What an amazing use of supporting actors. The amount of extras in this. The amount of extras, and, by the way, because everyone has to be over 30 like that can't be that easy like i know just to be sort of inside inside hollywood for a minute um <laughs> tell us about like, your glistening your, your glistening career well because because being an extra is a gig economy especially in this country and i have been an extra on a film in this country like it's obviously young people the majority of people are in their early 20s they've left uni and they haven't got a career or a job so they've got the free time to do low-paid work for a film company where just to spoil it here, when you're an extra in a film, you don't get paid for about five months because <laughs> essentially you don't get paid until the film's finished. Like, um, so, you know, it's shit. No one wants to do it. You can't make a living at it. Like, um, so the fact that there's so many extras in this movie and they have to fit that one absolute key parameter, which is they've got to be over... Th- they've got to be a grown adult. You can't get a load of, like, teenagers you can get for nothing in this movie. Um, and I think they do a cracking job of that, and obviously the makeup department as well. Everyone looks haggard and old and worn, and it's just like a, it looks like a war zone. And you're like, oh, this is, you know, essentially Brighton. Like, oh, it's Brighton, except they've turned it into a ghetto. Yeah, Bex- Bexhill is a real place. I was just looking at oh, Bexhill on C in Essex. Yeah, but obviously doesn't look much like this. Uh, but... <laughs> Unless it looks exactly like this, we can't say for certain. Yeah, but the the what that is the one thing is like yeah, there's there's a lot of. Um, it's a lot of work being done, isn't there, to try and you can really impress upon you the gravity of this situation and what they're going through. And I mean, there's 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 so much we could get into and we don't have time. But the 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 the, the backdrop of this horrible refugee camp is just extraordinary, and the the human trauma that we get to witness, you know, when they go in and just just you just think, my God, this is not this is this is a reality for so many people, not necessarily happening right now in the UK, but. All over the world, this is a reality for a lot of people, and you can't help but get away from that. And so, when you're going through later on, you're going through some of these hovels, you know, these 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 high-rise buildings, and they're just the absolute awful conditions that people are living in, and the, the death and the depravity and the fucking stench that you can you can smell through the screen, like it's um it is amazing. The sets and everything just look just look something else. Then we get the birth. We're not even at the fucking birth yet. Then we get the birth, and that in itself is like, you know, as someone who's witnessed two births, pretty much like that. Pretty much lots of. I've witnessed no births. I'm quite happy with that. Well, no, you states yes, that's that's quite good. But you kind of like, especially as a bloke, you kind of just sat there going, "I have nothing to offer here. I have absolutely." (laughs) I shouldn't really even be here, should I? What do I know? I'm, you know, nothing to offer whatsoever. 
the midwives have got it. Obviously, in Clive Owen's case, he couldn't. He didn't have that luxury. He was have to be the encouraging. Yes, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just gonna blow and go more push, push, push. Yeah, okay, push, push. That's fine. And then we get the baby, and and this is like I think probably the most extraordinary part of the movie, isn't it? This is the bit of the movie where and again, there's lots of in betweens, but the scene where. They're in the, the, this building's being attacked. It's being bombed. The fishes have taken key inside with the baby. You know they're, they're shooting tank shells into it. There's gunfire. Clive Owen's making the way up the stairs, and there's people just literally just walking past, getting their heads blown off and falling to the ground. And some again, one take that lasts for about six minutes. The level of um, the level of work from all the extras and the production design is extraordinary. And then and then we hear it. Then we hear that noise. He can't find her. He's looking for her. And we hear the baby. And I think like I don't I don't I don't think there I don't think there are many sequences in many movies that have been made in the twenty first century that can top this. That can top it's the uh, sheer the drama. tone of it is kind of like the tone of it is, uh, you know, when the troops come over the trenches and played football in No Man's Land at Christmas yes. in World War One. Mm, is the theme of like, you know, in in certain situations, even when you know, because what happens is, um, obviously they walk. You've seen the film, but like uh, they walk down the, the stairs, and it's Key and Clive Owen and the baby's crying, and everyone's seeing the baby, and you've got this one guy with a gun, and he's about to shoot Clive Owen, and he sees the baby, and he goes, "Is that a baby?" And they're all kind of like, and there's tears streaming down their faces because they haven't seen a baby in 20 years. Yeah. And like, everyone stops firing. They pass the word back and they're like, it's a baby. And all of these like, you know, Gestapo agents essentially, uh, like, who are about to storm this Cease building fire, and kill everyone. Fire. And they just, they slowly, like kind of like stumble out past this thing. And, you know, everyone stood watching them and no one's stopping them. And everyone's just kind of like, oh my God, this could mean... Do you know what I mean? Like it's like all these people who've made their peace with the world being fucking over are suddenly like, oh my fucking god, this baby, oh, and it's this real existential thing, and and there's great feeling in there, and it's punctuated perfectly by the fact that the fucking second Clive Owen and um, Kia clear, someone in the building throws something out, and the fire just resumes, and it's like, and for some reason that underscores that whole scene just fucking perfectly, Cause, because we're cause... right back to killing each other. Yep, because it's about hope, isn't it? And the, ba- the baby represents yeah. the noise of the baby crying, represents hope, it represents the future, it represents humanity and our shared, you know, because because you get people, you get the um, you get the soldiers standing next to the refugees, people speaking in different languages, people going, you know, Bambino and all this stuff. Like it, and all of that, all of a sudden, everyone becomes equal and they're not fighting anymore. They're all just in, tra- you know, completely lost. In, in the fact that there's, an, there's this... And I think... So fucking clever. Like, my God, to have one idea as good as this. One idea. And then to be able to put bring it on screen and then articulate it in a way that is extraordinary. Because the whole thing... Again, we're in this grey hellscape and it it's just amazing. And, and you know, there's that, that scene there, I think that, re- that, for me, it's the most affecting part of the movie. It's the part of the movie that they knew... You know, sometimes you feel like... They started with this scene and then they worked their way backwards. How do we get to here? Because this is the bit that we want to impress upon people. This is a scene that's going to really 
blow people yeah. away. And, you know, from there, the film's pretty much done. We get a couple of little sequences. It could have, like I was about to say, it could have basically just ended there. Like, um, and it basically does. We've got about another two minutes of, well, probably about six, but like about six minutes of film. And essentially, they, they find the rowboat and they row out to sea. And then Clive Owen does the manly thing and dies. <laughs> <laughs> As a good Englishman should, yes, just uh, keels over. Although, you know, I mean, he's not necessarily dead, is he? He could be alive. For the purposes of the movie, it's kind of like, yeah. again, going back to those themes of sacrifice, and he's happy to sacrifice himself um, because, mm. you know, there's the hope of the future here. Um, yeah. And then she says she's going to name the baby Dylan, which was the name of the, his baby. Um, who Very died touching. in the great flu pandemic of 2008, um, as, as as we mentioned, uh, and it's it's a very touching scene. I'm not quite sure that I agree with the need for it to happen in a rowboat with all this fog at sea. It, maybe it's the one point where the film's like, maybe this could have happened like on the dock, and that would have been fine. Um, it does, the irresponsibleness it does. of like leaving this woman. In a, bo- a rowboat in the middle with of the With the one sea. baby in the world. With the one baby in the world, yeah. What <laughs> a rowboat. I, I mean, I guess you know, I guess the film is all about tension and vulnerability. Um, you do think, is a massive wave going to come along and just completely flatten these guys? Like, what's going to happen? I can't deal with this. I need, the, I need this baby to be safe. And the, the film well, knows... I know though, a little bit about the mechanics of how the ocean works. And I was like, Clive, are you going to like tie the boat to the boy or maybe just if you're about <laughs> you to know die, a little bit about the mechanics of how the ocean works well done david you're well, basically sam robo ocean moving boat's gonna move like maybe let's not die and leave this poor poor girl like literally adrift in the in the sea yeah she, what's she gonna row the boat with the babies like on a strap exactly, like, How's sam, that exactly. Work? yeah it's a bit much to ask but it's but but again again it's the end of the journey isn't it it's the end of the journey. This is a road movie, and this is the end of the journey. And and the film, in some ways, in some ways, what we've watched is like the prologue to another story. You know, we've now, now, and, and a lesser movie would maybe do this and have this as Act Two, where they meet the Human Project, and then it's all about how do we, you know, how do we. The science and like what's going to happen well, to the baby? What's going to happen we've to Key? Explored what would happen in The Last of Us, the video game, which yes. is essentially this plot. Uh, they'll get to the Human Project. The Human Project will also turn out to be evil as fuck, and then we're just running away from the Human Project, also. Yeah, and the film, the film, rightly is just not interested in that. It's not interested in giving us any of that because you you leave it then to your imagination to i mean thank christ i'm not that it ever would but there's no there's no children of men too where where we where we get or some tv show winner where we get like a serialized account of of how they do loads of experiments on this baby and you know it's like awful in itself like the film the film i think finishes in a way that is uh, narratively perfect we are left with our main character dead or dying we're left with this baby, we're left with hope, and we're left wonderfully um, with the sound of children laughing and playing, suggesting that there it's is... a wonderfully tight movie. Uh, it makes you feel, it makes you laugh, it makes you sad, and it makes you sad again, and sadder. <laughs> and sadder. Um, more And then sad. you have a brief moment of like, wow, people are coming together, and then, then someone shoots a rocket out of that building, and they just fucking hammer yeah. the building with more rockets and you think well fucking sad again yeah exactly but
But it's a really well put together movie. Um, it, do you know what it reminds me of a bit? Is uh, you know, twenty eight days later. Yeah. Um, like, and I think this is a better movie, but like, it reminds me of that in terms of the way it's technically a really impressive film, and mm-hmm. I think even if even all of the, like the political stuff we've talked about and all of like the social stuff that's really fascinating that not every viewer of this movie would find absolutely stunning. Um, but like, even if you take all of that out, you've still got like an absolutely fantastic looking film yeah. um, with some wonderful performances. I mean, not everybody is asked to like, you know, fucking carry the moon in this movie, but I think everyone is doing a really excellent job. And like I said, I think this is Clive Owen's best performance in my book now. Um, much as I love the, that Bourne movie, I think that role is much, much smaller and he gets the ability to like emote in this movie. And, and that's not something that we always see Clive Owen doing. Um no. And I don't particularly so, like him generally. Like I think even in Inside this Man, this movie's kind of changed that. my mind. I think yeah. like this is a cracking performance from him. Chiwetel Ejiofor, I think, is also excellent. I and mean, we haven't really mentioned his like quite early on in his career, end. isn't it? Yeah, uh, his speech at the very end is also really, really good. And um, uh, the actor who played Key, uh, who I haven't got the name in front of me, um, but like again, there's this Claire Hope that character that Ashiti. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's this real like vulnerability there that, that she's she's carried off really well, and like no one person in this movie jumps out at you as like, oh my god, that's an Oscar worthy performance, and and but it's kind of one of those things where everyone's doing their job, like that you know there isn't one person in this film who you're like, oh, what's he doing? What's that guy in the background doing? You know, mm. Mm. yeah, and and I think for me, and I, like as you said before, we could talk about this for a thousand years because. <laughs> Even the What's sound part design. Two, three, four, round six. Even the sound design of this movie, I think, is extraordinary. There's just one little thing: is the 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 ringing in ears, which you hear a lot. You hear it specifically when Julian Moore dies. You hear it at the start, obviously, with the bomb. You hear it when ja- when Jasper dies as well. Um, and they do it as this like they, she even says, you know, enjoy that sound because you're never going to hear that frequency again. As you are never going to see this person again. There's all of these like fucking just crazy stuff that they're doing with this film there's the technical there's all of these things but to me i think it's it's the marrying of those two together it's the as i've said it's the thematic and the technical and i i think this is one of the best films of the 21st century i think it's one of the best films ever made i think it's a total masterpiece and i think it's a real shame that someone like you who's really into movies you have a podcast you're so uncool it's unbelievable you've never seen this (laughs) And and I, I feel like it's one of those films that people haven't it's, seen. You can't you can't say oh that great movie Children of Men like the name shit from the name. Like, well, as we said, was shit. No one saw it. And like, if I read the bio, I'd be like, I. Oh, you remember we were talking um, last year, like the last calendar year, about um, there was that pandemic movie that came out, and we were on our podcast. We were chatting about the the bio for it. And I was like, I don't want to see that. No, but actually, and it's probably not. But that might be like a stunningly evocative and thoughtful like masterclass like this movie was but it's tuesday but I'm night read the bio and, and think it's fucking nine o'clock i haven't had anything to drink i'm not sitting and watching a movie about the yeah. apocalypse thank the you ki- the kids have been the kids have just gone to bed i just want to sit and enjoy you know fucking everyone loves raymond <laughs> seinfeld it is so i totally get it but i do think i do think it is i think it is a masterpiece it's one of the best one, one of the reasons films. i love having the podcast sam because it makes me watch movies i wouldn't necessarily otherwise watch yeah. how often do you recommend a movie to me and i'm like i don't know sam like where the aviator is probably the peak example because it's about 14 hours long and you were like oh watch the aviator it's really good and i was like sam it is like 
four and a half hours long. And this is a man who sat and watched sat and watched a four literally a four hour Sergio Leone film. Like so, I'm not there's previous, but I was like, oh, and I resisted for ages. And actually, it's one of my favourite films. You're such a shit because I fucking it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell. But Dave, Dave, I know you. I know you better than you know yourself, and I knew you would love this. <laughs> I knew you would love The Aviator. There's loads of other examples of films that I. But I was I was ready to hate this movie, by the way. I, was, I know I was you were because you're a piece of shit. To and if Ross was here, he would hate it too. But you're a piece of shit who doesn't trust. But at my least Ross would have hated it on his own merit. I, Ross would have hated it for some fucking obscure reason, like they didn't use the right tanks or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I but I think. I think it is, yeah, it is difficult sometimes. And that's why the podcast is good because it does enable us to do that. Of course, I look forward to next week when we go back to the 90s and watch something we've seen a thousand times before because that's what we want to do. But there we go. Well, sometimes we can explore the depth. But um, in the original timeline, uh, the next episode would have been uh, a 2021 Netflix film that Ross recommended. uh, Fantastic. Well, I'm glad that we can can go back to our usual uh, trash thing as as, as a Ross recommend. So what (laughs) we can... Well, Ross isn't here. We haven't made the apology. Ross isn't here, so obviously he'll be trashed. Yeah. He's a trash person. <laughs> With trash opinion. So what we're gonna do now, Dave, I think I uh, you know, we've 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 as you say, we've been beaten up, we've been knocked down, we've been brought up again. Uh, and and now we're ready to go back out to the world with a sense of hope and oh no, no, it's okay. We live in twenty twenty two, everything's shit. Pandemic's no, still going right, on. Sam. It's, right, Sam. Still it's my shit. blood in the bottom of the boat. I'll row us out to the middle of the North Sea and leave you there <laughs> with a newborn baby. Don't worry about it. I've got your back, man. I love Fantastic. you. Fantastic. I feel much. I feel safe in that. I feel safe in that. Okay. <laughs>